as Jennifer has already said, we're, um, we're kicking off the Advent season. And, and Advent really is four weeks where we observe Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. And we kick the series off with the, with the, theme, the theme of Advent, with, the, with the, the movement of hope. Okay? Advent, for those of you who don't know, simply means coming. Speaks to the coming of our Lord and Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk over the next few weeks about the, the coming of our Lord and the hope that we have in his coming. So what does it mean to have hope? That's the question. I want to begin today by reading you a famous Christmas carol called Christmas Bells. So it was a carol that was written or a poem that was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in 1963, and then later on, about 30 years later, it was put to music. Listen to what it says. He says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar's carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I think this, this poem really captures the essence of the warmth and the excitement of Christmas, you know, the feeling that we get when the holidays come around, you know, that feeling of, of love and joy and peace and, and hope. But Longfellow's poem really is a classic because it also draws a stark contrast between these warm thoughts of Christmas that we get, it's thoughts of, of love and and peace, and hope, and joy, and it contrasts with the sobering reality of life, the life that we live today, a life that's filled with suffering, and disease, and pain, and anguish, and death. This poem was written during the Civil War, and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow had lost his, his wife, and his son had been gravely wounded in, in, in conflict during this war. And yet he sits down and he writes this poem. But then I really believe that what happens is the reality of life sets in and he writes the fourth and the fifth stanzas. Here's what he writes. Then from each black accursed mouth, a cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heartstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can you feel the pain and the hopelessness that's in this poem from the poet 
a poem that was written over 150, as a matter of fact, 150 years ago this month, this poem was written. And actually, the words of this poem really could be written today, couldn't they? When will the wars that we're engaged in end? When will the fighting cease? When will life's struggles and toils be over? When will my pain go away? I'm going to pause for a second because this isn't in my notes, but I want you to recognize that I see that Christmas is not all cheer and joy for everyone. Christmas sometimes is a time of pain and grief. Some of you suffer through Christmas, maybe with depression, maybe with anxiety, maybe with sorrow. I have a good friend of mine whose father was shot and killed in front of her when she was a child on Christmas Day, murdered in cold blood. Christmas is hard for her. And so I'm aware that Christmas is not, it's not, it's not, a time of joy and cheer for all of us. But here's the key. If we stopped and just took a snapshot of the world around us, it really almost seems hypocritical for us to talk about joy and and hope and peace and love when there's so much sorrow and chaos and hatred and hopelessness in the world. But just like the life that we live today, Just like as we go about through life with everything that surrounds us, the heartache and the suffering, I am so glad that 150 years ago, Longfellow's poem didn't end there. It would have been a horrible Christmas poem, wouldn't it? Because here's what happens before the poem's conclusion, before it comes to an end, it seems like somewhere deep inside of the poet, something wells up inside of him. And then out from that that depth of his heart grows this final stanza of hope and courage and certainty, the certainty that God understands and knows the plight of men. The certainty that God has made precious promises to his children and to his people. The certainty that God always keeps his promises. Listen to what this last stanza says. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail when Peace on earth, goodwill to men. I tell you, brothers and sisters and family, that last stanza really sums up the entirety of the Scripture, the entirety of the Bible, that our God is not dead, that our God is not asleep, that our God is concerned about the pain and the suffering that we experience every single day. And let me tell you, that's the reason why God, through Jesus Christ, came into the earth. That's the reason why Christ entered our pain. One of the prophets calls Jesus Christ God incarnate in the flesh, the suffering servant. 
because he knows our pain. Isaiah chapter 53, and Isaiah says this, he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with our grief. He came to be part of us, to live with us, to understand our struggle. This is the true message of Christmas. See, Christmas at its core is not about joy. It's not about love. It's not about hope. It's not about peace. The message of Christmas at its core is the presence of Jesus Christ with us, in us. Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us. Jesus Christ in us, he is our peace. He is our joy. He is love. As Jennifer said earlier, he is the reason for the season. He's our hope. I think the word hope is somewhat skewed. Biblical hope is different than the, the standard definition of hope that we see in the world. Hope from the world's perspective is, you know, I left my lights on yesterday when I went shopping, and man, I hope my car will start. Man, it is cold outside right now. I hope it gets warmer. And if you're from Fairbanks, Alaska, where it was 35, 40 below, I know you really hope that it gets warmer. I, I hope, I hope, I hope for a better life. I hope. It's the standard of the world, but biblical hope is more than a wish. It's more than a feeling. Biblical hope is defined as trust. It's defined as expectation. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, biblical hope was centered and focused around Messiah and the coming of Messiah. And when he would come at his arrival, he would bring deliverance. And he would bring joy. He'd bring peace. He'd bring redemption. Listen to what the poet wrote over 2,000 years ago, many thousand years ago, listen to what the poet wrote in Psalms 130 about the coming of our Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared or reverenced, that word means. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. See, biblical hope is much more than just wishes. It's, more, it's much more than, than a feeling. Biblical hope is the confidence in the certainty that something is going to happen. Certainty. Confidence, trust. 
That's biblical hope. And hope, family, is important because hope determines our choices. Hope determines how we live our lives. We live life based on what we believe. And listen to me now. If we believe in the promises of God, then we'll live our lives as if we do. If we believe, if we hope in the promises of God, we will live our lives as as if we really, really do with a sense of expectancy and expectation. So here's the point. Just as the children of Israel waited with great expectation for the coming of Messiah, so we, as the body of Christ today, his church, wait with great anticipation and expectation of the second coming of Christ. That's hope. And that's what Advent is all about. Advent is about the coming of Jesus Christ and every single thing that he brings with him for us. The theme of hope for the follow Christ means that we place our trust, our hope on the certainty of his coming. So how can we be certain? How? It's really simple. Because God promised that that's what would happen. And God is true to his word. He keeps his promises. Paul writes to us in Titus chapter 1, verse 2. He says, he says, we have this eternal hope. We have eternal life, he says. And listen, this eternal life and the coming of Jesus Christ was promised to us before the world was even framed, before the world began. And then the writers of Hebrews in chapter 6, verse 18 says this, it is impossible for God to lie. It's an immutable truth. It's impossible for God to lie. And in this truth is the hope that is so sure that it becomes the anchor of our souls. The promises of God are certain. They are going to happen. And they are going to be fulfilled, family, when Jesus returns. That's what Advent is all about. That is our hope. Lee, you can bring your your team back up. But until that day, there's work to do. Until that day, God has given us a commandment, a mandate to extend the hope, the love, the joy, the peace that we have found and come to experience in our relationship with Jesus Christ, our mandate, our commandment is to extend and offer this relationship that we have in Jesus to the world. The presence of Jesus is proof. The presence of Jesus in our lives is proof of the certainty of his return. Did you hear me? The presence of Jesus in our lives, the light of the world in our lives, the salt of the earth in our lives, the prince of peace 
in our lives. Christ in us, the hope of glory in our lives, proves the certainty of the promise of his coming. That's what Advent's all about. Jesus said it this way in John 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. I know you do, but believe also in me. It says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. I love the King James Version. It's, it's just, it says, in, in the Father's house are many mansions. <laughs> and if it was not so, I would not have told you have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, listen, I am going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. <laughs> That's the promise. That's the hope. And I believe that if Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was here today. He would stand in front of you and he'd say this. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead. And he's not asleep. The wrong will fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. We get a chance to experience it now but it will be fulfilled when Jesus comes back. Now, how do you feel about that? See, the reality is that every, every single person that places their hope in Jesus Christ has the, the eternal hope of his return burning deep inside of us. And through us, he becomes the hope of salvation, the hope of the world. What will you do with that hope this Advent season? Will you hide it under a bushel? Or will you be the expression of the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying? The only way that the world will ever see the hope of Jesus Christ is in us. It's through us. It's through his church. Be the hope that Jesus would be if he were you and if he were me. That's the challenge. Jesus Christ, our eternal.